Welcome to Talking in Stations. I am your host, Matterall. Today, we're going to be talking about war. We're at the precipice of war, and it looks like uh, something is going to happen in a pretty major way in EVE Online. Uh, you're seeing the combination of many different uh, influencers and alliances and coalitions converging on one fight that appears to be between Legacy Coalition and Winter Coalition. So we've invited a lot of people to examine how this started, what parties are involved, what motivates them, and then what we think will happen uh, after this week and the next. So let's get into some introductions. I'll start with Carneros. Good morning. Hello, everyone. And uh, we will go from the top. Jin Tan, how are you doing? Howdy, howdy. I'm doing good, thank you. It's really hot in England, but I'm just about surviving. For this show, I'm going to have you introduce where you're from uh, and how you're involved with this. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and tell us that? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm the Alliance Executor of Red Noise, a small alliance that was poking around in immense sea before this all really kicked off. So I guess I got to watch this war kind of develop from being the tiniest little thing that I think <laughs> that I think a war has ever developed from up until where it is now, where we have half the world deployed down into Immensity. Right, and Killer B, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. I just got back, and uh, I am in NC Dot. How are we involved? So far, we're not really involved. We have been wormholing down for a couple of fleets from the north, and yeah, mm -hmm. that's it. Okay, thanks. Harvey Skywalker. Hi. I'm Harvey Skywalker, CEO of uh, a corporation within Pandemic Legion. Right. Uh, that corporation is higher than Everest Peak, right? Yeah. The Peaky peak Blinders. <laughs> that seems to be a nickname that got attached to you, which I think is very fitting. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit more uh, in a minute. Let's finish introductions with Opner Dresden. Hi, everybody. I'm Opner Dresden. I'm uh, now just a line member in NC, but uh, previously I was the executor of Explicit Alliance and helped lead DRF and DCU stuff uh, in the last kind of major war. So Drone Regions Federation, uh, that group. Yes, okay. not to be confused with DRF, which is actually the only one left. Uh, that is actually the ticker of Red Menace, I think. Mm. Right. You're thinking of Dreamfleet. Dreamfleet, yeah. Sorry, I just think of their coalition. And we also have with us Plex Live from Goonswarm. Hi, I'm Plex Live, uh, FC from Goonswarm. Uh, as far as like being involved in all of this conflict, I've been watching it humbly from my uh, from my Cerberus fleets, shooting lots of fighters. Oh, excellent. Uh, and also rounding out, we'll talk about Faction War later on in the show, and we've invited Silver Susperia to talk about what's going on there. How are you doing, Silver? Good, Mineral. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm the XO Federation Uprising Faction Warfare Alliance, and we are watching this conflict with great interest. Great. Okay, we'll go back and start from the beginning. Carneros and I will um, open up discussion on uh, who the participants are and how they came to be. I think we'll start with Opner, since this really goes... One of the interesting parts of this is... Um, what's happening in the galactic east in the drone regions? So I want to find out, like, what actually happened there, and you know, you guys can all contribute. But let's uh, start with Opner. Go ahead. What happened so, over there? So way back, uh, a little over a year ago, Tri 
decided they were going to reset everybody and walk away from the the DRF and all the deals they had there. Uh, they wanted to create more content and find new ways to to troll and have fun, which turned out to be a pretty good decision for them. Um, at that time, though, there was already a lot of pressure uh, on various DRF entities, uh, Hard Knocks in the North, uh, Volta, and Octong, uh, am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, Russians in a German named Alliance, which always confused me. They were <laughs> wormholing in and they had supers located throughout the middle band. Um, and like so Oasa and uh, Outer Region and some of those other mid-ground drone regions and they were they basically farming renters for the most part not a ton of soft stuff uh hard knocks and lumpy sort of did some stuff trolling around in cobalt edge on the entry systems but it was all stuff that could be handled uh you had oos that pushed in from mto a couple of times but nothing too super huge or major so it's pretty boring up there but you got a bunch of alliances together who said hey we're going to defend that and that's where dcu came from and that was in drf DCU is Drone Control Unit, right? It was, yes. So from there, that all sort of coalesced into the the English-speaking side of DRF. Uh, That created a good target for some people that wanted to get some content, mostly Unspoken and BayRJ. At the start of the the tri-reset, when the DRF decided to proactively defend their space, I guess is the best way to spin that. Uh, they deployed everybody down to Ethereum Reach, uh, while the Russian-speaking side of DRF went down to try to support FCON, uh, and we tried to have a split offensive thing going on, clean up the remnants of what Tri left over. They left uh, unspoken structures uh, in a diplomatic thing to sort of try to get rid of them more easily. Uh, and then that ended up biting them because they left a big foothold for some guys to come in and really screw around with the SOV and create a lot of issues and really not let any one of the smaller entities who the DRF kind of got to come backfill. They made sure they never really got a strong footing. So when things advanced to the political stage where the Diplo stuff happened with Jay and the things went bad with Guardians of the Galaxy. Jay is a diplomat that um, was representing DRF at the time, right? Yes. And he uh, he played really fast and loose with the, the, the reputation and sort of made things really bad between Guardians of the Galaxy. That precipitated sort dropping the Keepstar and MTO. Uh, which created a whole new front for a DRF that was already stretched pretty thin after a long war. When all of that was happening, uh, Jay had contracted Skill Yourself to Mercenary against Try. Uh, somewhere in there, a payment got missed. Uh, and Skill Yourself said, okay, well, we're already in uh, Inn's Mother. We're deployed with our supers, with all of these assets, and we want to go farm renters uh and were not under contract anymore so they did and they were really effective at it uh they ended up deploying a fort that got completely missed nobody noticed it um and that fort i think still stands (laughs) i don't know if we ever if they ever got it killed um but it ended up being a huge issue because from there they could deploy their super fleet really effectively they ended up creating huge problems in the spire and ethereum reach uh, Volta took all their supers that had basically just been farming renters and allied up with them. Uh, Volta being a, started as a split off from Tri when they made the original deal with XIX. And that ended up uh, 
sort of reforging, I guess now you'd say, a uh, decent relationship with guys with a lot of wormhole experience and experience in Thera, and now with a probably pretty cheaply bought super fleet off of renters fire selling. Uh, so added that to skill yourself. And now with Hard Knocks, who finally just took a bunch of space that was kind of empty up in Cobalt Edge, that's the Holy League. Uh, it all started from a lot of guys looking for content and basically wanting to farm renters. And it turned into, hey, we accidentally got a bunch of rental space. And they took advantage of it. Well, and this is open to everybody. What's going on with uh, Skill U and hard knocks and stuff it seems like they're growing rapidly with titan pilots like they're being attracted to them uh, you can see that in their titan numbers and uh and that's a big deal isn't it because now you don't have to wait for people to build their titans and and give them to your people it's these people come equipped they just need to turn on their alts and yeah and... it was a kind of it was quite a new development in the in the meta of of a new kind of warfare where they they had their supers you know like opna said originally they had uh, like groups like volta had their supers logged out essentially i guess in safe spots probably or maybe in some towers you know deep behind enemy lines and they would come out of the wormholes you know just like they had they'd sort of been doing all over e for a good period of time beforehand coming out of wormholes tackling raw calls you know uh, attacking the renters as you say tackling supers that were ratting and things like that and then they they started to use these their own supers that they had stashed deep behind enemy lines which was something i don't think anyone had ever used supers in that way before which was real like you know a development a, an evolution of the meta which i found really really quite cool to observe yeah and also you got to remember that uh, the more people the more they use their supers the more people who want to use supers come join them so right. they're, pick, they're quickly picking up steam by using those ships and getting more dudes who want to use those ships and add injectors into that. And the fact that they already had a lot of really high skill point dudes uh, who have been waiting for an opportunity to use them and not just joining them, but the guys already in their organizations who had a bunch of tunes that were probably, you know, sitting him mothballed from previous wars. So essentially you have what was, they're, they're probably best known as mostly, at least leadership is ex-Pizza, uh, Confederation of Pizza. I believe they used to have a Confederate flag and uh, some kind of meme thing like that. And they named themselves uh, for the Alliance tournament, uh, Skill You, I believe. And that was uh, Skill Yourself. And that was a, an attempt to, I think, Jen, you told me about this, right? That's an attempt to get CCP to say, kill yourself on, on air. I believe it was more of an attempt to get uh, the player commentators to say that. Um, yeah. It's been it's it's a subject that's had a lot of discussion around it. I yeah, know it's worth, it's worth not mentioning that their, uh, it's worth mentioning their ticker is I N G M E right in game. Yeah. So it's a play on the sort of you know that those memes and what kill yourself jokes. in game kind of thing. Yeah, or, yeah, you know that it's a play on yeah, that. And, and their image, because after the fact, they got this logo that shows somebody handing you a skill injector. So it's like, here, skill yourself up. And that's just not what the origin of the name was. I think it's lousy, but, you know, it's stuck. That's what people know them as. They're kind of at the center of this new coalition that has formed up. Uh, so Hard Knocks, um, we don't hear a lot about them. It's it's mostly about skill yourself. Why is that? If I had to take a guess, it would be a hard knocks has been so ever present 
uh, and they are still just kind of doing the same stuff they've been doing for so long. Uh, and skill yourself is the new, the new hotness, if you will, in yeah. the, the meta conversation. So everyone wants to say what they're doing. They also, I mean, they've been pioneering some stuff. Like that's the thing. The they did sort of the same thing that Lumpy did uh, really effectively of multi-boxing uh, really well with having their subcap fleet and the same dudes flying their capitals and being able to be super effective in, with T3 or the T3C changes and the uh, super changes all at once. And they did it even better. I'm pretty sure Hardknock isn't even involved in this war so far. So if I'm yeah. Not, let me look at these. But I'm not sure where you got that from, that Hardknocks was involved. It was part of the... Hardknocks just kind of started doing their whole, like, come out of the wormhole, gang some people, and they did it with supers at the start. So they kind of gave Skill you the idea, or maybe Skill you looked at Hardknocks and, and how they want to run their operations. And then they just did it their own way. Like, Hardknocks isn't involved in any of this. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure they are. Whatever. And also, they've had some high-level people take off, right? Like, um, and Man is inactive. Uh, and the other guy that was running for CSM dropped out of the race because he went inactive. Yeah, yeah, but you know, Hard Knocks is fine. They're just a wormhole alliance. Skill you is not a wormhole alliance, right? Something to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, that's a good but, point. So that's the thing. As you go from south to north, you see the shift uh, from Hard Knocks being a very much wormhole alliance in a purest sense, Volta being. A wormhole alliance, but more a, an alliance that really uses wormholes effectively. And now their identity is less attached to that, and more Thera and Sov. And then you have Skill Yourself, who's like, wormholes are a thing we take to go kill people, but that's about it. It, it might be worth pointing out that there's a small conceit in what we're talking about here, where we talk about them all as if they were completely separate entities. But there is some crossover between it where there'll be players who their main is in one alliance, but they have alts in others. And they'll sometimes play with them too. It, it probably isn't a, a big enough factor to actually matter in the overall scheme of things, like a, like a war. But if there's a fun uh, something happening over here and nothing happening over here, you might log in your other alt for, for some to jump in and enjoy it. Could be a yeah. little bit of that happening. Well, and I think that's one of the the keys uh, again to recruitment and getting this um, super capital force kind of overnight. Uh, one is interesting gameplay that attracts players. Two is uh, the lack of commitments to other things like literally defending renters and doing that sort of stuff. But then they also benefited from seeing that Winter Coalition was on the rise and. Who can tell us about Winter Coalition? Anybody aware of them? Well, mostly they are Chinese players uh, from Serenity, not, not from Serenity, uh, but the group is called Fraternity. And there's a whole interesting backstory to um, their arrival into uh, Tranquility, which is the server uh, for EVE Online. Uh, a lot of them were fleeing for different reasons from the Chinese server, which is the only separate server of EVE Online. Everybody else in the world in real life is in tranquility. And so as they arrive, they try to get a foothold into the game. And usually they trickle out because there's just not enough for them to do at that hour. So Fraternity was an effort to get critical mass, get enough of them um, to have meaningful content when they're trying to fight Australians or Russians in that late time zone for US and EU players. Yeah. Uh, and they did achieve it at one point. Yeah. So it's 
simplify it and sum it up, you know, fraternity is sort of the manifestation of the the migration of Chinese players from Serenity coming to TQ for whatever reasons they want to leave their server and come to ours. You know, fraternity is where they mostly congregate. There's another. There's also a quite a large community in um, the Imperium as well, I believe. Yeah. Also, go ahead. I believe there's also some other places where they've gone to. It's not just been like one of two places. There are obviously, you know, little splinter groups because there always are. Yeah, they've been coming uh, again, coming and going for a long time. So it's it's not a big change, but it is an effort to kind of get them all in one place to be big enough to be able to fight meaningfully. Uh, and so what that means, though, because they're new to the server, is a lot of them are in super cap- sorry sub-capitals, battleships and below. And you can see that that's very attractive to bond with if you want to use your super capitals or capital ships, because then they, they the Chinese, can take care of the subcap for you while you come in and back them up with your uh, bigger hardware. So for a player who's you know skilled into these bigger ships and wants to use them, um, this is a good arrangement. So that might be one of the attractors to why uh, the um, skill U is coming down to participate along with other groups like Triumvirate. Uh, what can you guys tell us about Triumvirate? They've been a really interesting player in the last year on the board. They're a really horrible group to fight against. Why, what's, what is it about that? Why are they hard to fight? Uh, they have a lot of skill points. They are really good tactically, and they know when to pull back and they know when to press. Uh, they like top to bottom. It's there aren't a ton of groups that have all of that combined, uh, especially at their size uh, and their their want to be independent. They also have, are of a deep history that gives them a lot of connections uh, to people around Eve. So when it's politically advantageous, they can go bat phone out to just about everyone. Uh, so it it works really badly in your favor unless you are really dedicated to the idea of exterminating them from an area. That was one of the things that kind of ended up sinking XIX is they didn't purge uh, Try from In's Mother uh, fully when they took it. They very slowly moved down and they were more concerned with getting all their assets down from Gemini. Yeah, the, the thing that stand out for me is sort of, you know, significant about Try is that you know, like you were saying, Opna, when they decided to sort of cut ties with the DOF, you know, get rid of Blue's Severus, it was a, a bold and risky move, you know, and it could have gone either way. You know, before, if, if you rolled back the clock a year and we were talking about the same thing, we'd say, oh, they're, they're probably making a mistake here. You know, they're just putting themselves, you know, out on their own in the cold, cutting ties with, you know, a massive coalition one side of them and, you know, not particularly friendly with the coalition to the other side. But, you know, looking at it now, um, fortune sometimes favours the bold and they seem to have, you know, come out the other side really strong, you know, with a, a very, quite, what I would say, a very happy um, PVP-focused alliance with lots of, you know, lots to do. And, you know, they took some risks and, uh, mm. and, and look where they are. They're doing all right now. Yeah, yeah, they walked through the crucible of content. They said, we're going to go get content. Uh, we are going to be single-mindedly about that. And at the end of the day, they they achieved it. Uh, they did, like, there was a good lull period for two or three months where they, they looked like they had made the wrong choice, right? After uh, the DRF abandoned Gemini and said, we're going to take Amencia, uh, that it looked like, oh, well, try lost. They had lost their Keepstar. Uh, and they had, there had been an offer on the table to, you know, 
to get rid of Vin's mother and give it to DRF, and that would have been enough to satiate them, and they said, okay. But they didn't want that path, uh, probably because they expected that FCON wasn't going to last forever and that fraternity was going to continue to grow and that they would have the muscle to be well, able to, to tango with DRF long-term. I want to get off try just a little bit, but there is one last thing I want to ex uh, explore, and that is their old ties, because I believe that... Um, the beginning of NC dot was kind of a collection between triumvirate and Atlas. Um, that was the very beginning of NC dot. In fact, I think doom might've been in triumvirate. So there's old ties between NC Vince Draken's the leader of NC and, um, Garce and triumvirate isn't there. Well in, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure, um, Vince was the leader of try one of the iterations of try, if not more than one, maybe um, the first or second, very early at try. Because try is constituted and fallen apart like seven times over. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't like to sort of quantify how much they're linked to their previous iterations, other than just in in name. You know, I don't. I'm not sure really. Because people how come and go. Is. Yeah, a lot of people come and go. I mean, it, it's sort of different leadership and has the same name, but is it the same thing? I'm not sure really. Yeah. So, from, from my understanding, with the. Uh... And this was all from the enemy side banter, but that uh, Mark six and seven were both are really similar in structure and leadership, but everything before that was a little less connected. So okay, so when we hear things uh, like what Votel uh, says there, Vince told CPA, which is uh, Captain Patrick Archer, who is the FC for Triumvirate, to do something. That that kind of relationship or arrangement doesn't exist, right? I I doubt it, but it might. I mean, uh, Archer went to NC dot uh, after some political scuffle in that three month period where Try was looking kind of down, and then mm -hmm. and he's back at Try now. So, that, but yeah, I I always when I hear the reports and no. those kind of conversations, I can't imagine that kind of thing ever happens. The answer is no. Kill, kill a bee. All right. Okay. Um, Right, because that's one of the narrative strings that people are looking at that want to find a conspiracy and the cooperation and stuff like that. So I wanted to know if that was a real thing or if that's the fantasized thing. All right, so NC doesn't control Triumvirate, it's fair to say. Yes. God, I would hope not. They fucking cost them a fortune uh, with bot rentals and losing stuff in, uh, in the interim before they got a blue agreement in after the you reset. Mean, you mean Triumvirate cost NC a fortune? Yeah, in the early stage of the war, uh, a bunch of renters were, were flipping their shit. And, oh my God, it's going to be the end of the world. We're going to get farmed by Try. That was weird. We're <laughs> a ton of that. So yeah, like it was. If the if NC controlled Try, then they played it masterfully, hiding that by costing themselves a ton of money and you yeah. know creating uncertainty in a rental empire, which is the last thing that anyone ever wants to do for a rental empire, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's blow off our whole left side. So we can, yeah. So we um, can get a war we're not involved with in any real yeah. major way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but it's interesting. Eve has a lot of interesting subterfuge that people like to examine and stuff like that. All right. So that's Triumvirate. And Triumvirate wanted to work with, or actually Winter Coalition Fraternity especially, wanted to work with Triumvirate to pair up, you know, because they both um, saw that they could cover each other's time zones. That's a fact. Uh, and so there's a close relationship there, a close relationship of cooperation. Um, let's talk about legacy. We don't have test here. We didn't have triumvirate. We didn't have a uh, skill you representative. 
that's okay. We want to move on from this. We're just kind of exploring who the players are, and then we can get to what the conflict is. But um, someone want to tell me about how Legacy arrived in the South and what's uh, you know what they've been doing since they got here, what their ambition is. Okay, I'm going to do that because I think it's important we stop. Like we cannot talk for tests or about them because we don't actually know. Uh, mm -hmm. So this is all outside perspective. But the TLDR is that they moved down uh, together with CO2. Uh, I think in 2016, when us, that being PL, NC Dot, and Horde, pushed CO2 out of tribute after World War B, and uh, Test pretty much said we cannot develop as an alliance next to PL because PL is never going to allow us to grow to a strength that we could be dangerous for them, which is why they eventually uh, decided to, you know, instead of just like they didn't stick around for the for the fight basically tappy just decided to pack it up and and go home uh, or go south pretty much and uh, co2 followed them then the whole judge co2 whatever thing happened and the conflict between tappy and co2 then co2 was dead and then it was just tappy plus brave plus all these other people down south uh, tickle dv and a whole bunch of other alliances brave of course that i do not want to all mention because there's a lot of them uh, and that's pretty much what legacy is. So they're down there. I think you call them Tappy. Uh, I, I still call them Test, but they—that's uh, the same group, just different names. And they expressed that they wanted to be a big player, and they were going to find a home, and they were going to build super capitals on it in order to defend themselves. They're going to build their own super capital umbrella. That's their goal, right? Yeah, I mean, they have effectively done that. They have a—they have a pretty sizable super fleet, of course. Uh, for them, it is really hard to catch up to alliances like PL or, um, uh, you know, or NC Dot or Goons. Um, but they have done a pretty good job at building up their super cap fleet. They're one of the few alliances that are going full shield, although they've recently announced that they want to do some kind of secondary armor fleet or some shit, but we'll see if that actually happens. Um, apart from that, yeah, that like that's pretty much it. Although I have to say that Skill U pretty much has a has a super fleet as big as, as Tappy's now, and they have built that up within I don't know four months or something. Yeah, isn't that so amazing? The question, so the question is, is it really that impressive? Uh, what what Tappy has done, or have they been a little slow? But you know, it's, it's speculation again. I don't know what the reasoning for that is. Uh, Skill U also, you know, a lot of the hard knocks people that had their super stage in zero zero. Um, joint skill you to use them more and stuff like that. So uh, it's it's a little bit different. That's probably like the main reason why there's that sudden growth with skill you. It's like test or tappy or whatever you want to call them. They've kind of you know produced their supers, whereas skill yourself have just kind of inherited all of the you know unsubbed ones that have resubbed for the content. Well, those numbers that we're seeing are are from Z Killboard, right? So that's. Uh, those are ones that are in active use and you're seeing them. I would think there's a little bit of inherent, um, I don't want to say bias, but there's an inherent factor where skill U pilot gets a new uh, super cap or Titan. They're going to use it more, more quickly than the test pilot who gets their first one. You, right. When it's your first Titan or super carrier, you can be a little bit uh, nervous about using it the first time till you get, get the hang of it and you know get the big fleet opportunity so well, there might be some the, more that are hiding that's, that's so also had, uh, the opportunity to they've been destroying structures clearing out renters like they just have been fighting an active war too so test really hasn't all they've had is home defense and whatever fleet's villi has been running 
Yeah. So that, but that's so amazing to me because you have the, uh, you know, crowdsourcing of test has a lot of players, it's a big alliance. And now you have skill injectors. So, you know, if people generate enough money, they can buy skill injectors and skill themselves up into these big capital ships. And it's been a slow process, sort of, although it happened rapidly. But then you have an alternative uh, place that like skill you represents where there's a lot of action. They're getting the right kind of content. Uh, as Harvey said, they're actually innovating some kind of warfare. Um, and they just match tests uh, growth rate in four months. And that's amazing to me that the difference in the way you attract players and uh, reputation and uh, recruitment and retention and stuff. But I think both the, styles are really needed for EVE though, especially in the Sovnofa sense, because test is going to have a much higher rate of getting players fresh in the door who are going to train up into those ships and will be the bitter vets that retire for you know six months and then come back to a group like skill yourself possibly like if if legacy were to collapse tomorrow that's a scenario that we've seen play out historically before and it probably happen again whereas skill yourself is not going to take in you know fresh off the fresh off training missions and get those guys going all the way up the chain, right? Even with skill injectors, that's just not the kind of organizations they are, or at least that's not who they've been. They might've changed culturally to allow that a lot more now, but I haven't heard anything about it, so. Yeah. All right, so then we have other players on the board though. Uh, again, this conflict is between Legacy and Winter Coalition. Um, we had Vili on here and he was pretty rough on making fun of Winter Coalition. Uh, because not, a few episodes I don't know, before, man, it's not really between Legacy and Winterco, though. I well, think it's just what, wrong. What do you think it is? Well, I mean, it, like the the main parties in this conflict so far. I mean, obviously now PL has moved in with full force, but before PL moved in with full force, the conflict was between Winter, Try, and then uh, it started out with Winter and and uh, Legacy, right? But then Try got involved, and uh, Skill you got involved. So it, you can't just say it's between Winter and Legacy. That's just like it's not like Try and Skill you and PL are third parties, right? Like those people are part of the. Conflict. At this point, no, you're right. Uh, it has grown into something else, but the nucleus of it was uh, basically Legacy and uh, Winter Coalition. That's where it kind of the nucleus of this conflict is. Everybody else is yeah, kind the, of like the catalyst. So I would agree that the catalyst, yeah. but I think, like Killer said, we've got something, something new now. You know. Um, I think it's someone grown. coined the phrase the, the the holy meteorite coalition uh is the uh the, you know the mega coalition that's formed uh, i would say now to uh it's coming to i get it because it's coming to extinct the dinosaur which is the symbol of test alliance yeah yeah i gotta say it's like it's actually pretty insane like how many people have deployed though because it's not just we talked a lot about skill you and Volta and the Holy Empire, but it's not just entities like that. It is entities like uh, Black Legion deployed, I believe. You know, PLs brought their super fleet. Um, pretty much everyone's like at least making some attempts to be involved in this. It was looking like a new, it's looking like uh, something more following along the lines of World War uh, B than it was, a con than it is a conventional war right now, or at least that's my take. In, in, in that it's a super coalition forming. Yeah, in that it's like one direct entity, entity with a very specific goal being yeah. formed. Well, let me go back to the nucleus for a second. And I think you're right too, Killaby, that it's grown past this point. But it, initially it started with 
Winter Coalition looking for an area where they can participate, have their members have some uh, fun in their time zone. And the Russians kind of uh, were supposed to be that. We thought there would be a Russian-Chinese fight because they kind of shared time zones. But that didn't happen. The Russians kind of imploded uh, before the Chinese, I'm speaking in archetypal terms here, but just so people can understand. Um, uh, the Russians imploded and really next to them in the area was a legacy coalition who had a lot of members and you could have sub cap on sub cap fights. Um, and so they might've turned and said, let's, let's fight with legacy. And we had the leader of the time, uh, wind spirits from legacy from fraternity on. And he said, that's, you know, that's the kind of thing they were looking for. Um, and then he, he said that, you know, Chinese players are different types of players. They don't care about the whole spies and metagame. They really care more about being like Olympic athletes where they're just as good as they can be at doctrines and actual combat. To which Vili said, these guys are not Olympic athletes. They're terrible. We're destroying them all the time. They're making rookie mistakes. And so it's become more of a grudge match between the two instead of just a war of convenience. I think there's some actual anger there which is kind of good, which is what drives conflict. But yes, new people have arrived to contribute. And that was what we saw. Was it LK where we saw the giant? No, it wasn't LK. But where did we see the giant fight, the move op that was destroyed uh, when the Russians were trying to move in to help Legacy? Metal BC, Tech Yeah, how does that fit into this equation? Like what was happening to set that up? XIX or the remainders of XIX were offered... And again, this is speculation or like the, the our narrative from the northern perspective. I don't actually know what the deal there was because Vili has, uh, I, I don't know, if, Doom, can you link me the quote, dude, with uh, with what Willie said about XIX? But anyways, Willie was very strong about them not being a part of Legacy, but they had some kind of deal that would allow uh, XIX to live aside, like on the side with, uh, with Legacy, maybe not as part of their coalition, but like next to their space, being blue and all that. So, you know pretty much part of their coalition sort of thing. Um, and obviously uh, at that point, all bets were off, right? Like a, a lot of uh, something to keep in mind as well, especially NC Dot, we try to kind of keep out uh, on the whole like XIX versus Tri conflict because um, there was still some connections between us and XIX, especially regarding bot space. And uh, we didn't want to, we didn't want to, you know, hurt those. Um, but as soon as we, you know, knew that there were uh, there was a deal between Legacy and XIX, those those things were all off, right? Uh, effectively, XIX didn't really offer us anything anymore, uh, either, because drones were already been, you know, drones have already been taken over by Skillu at that point, and we we, uh, yeah, so that just kind of happened. CTEC L XIX kind of got destroyed, trying to extract, trying to get to Legacy, and. Uh, that was really the first fight where everybody, like everybody, just ganged up on XIX because, like I said, old bets were off. So old alliances fell apart, and that was the culmination of that. But was it was it more about hurting XIX, or was it more about uh, ganking a super cap move up that wasn't being executed very well? Because Lord knows, uh, NC and PL have a reputation for loving to blow up. Uh, super caps when they can catch them uh, un unprotected. Yeah, so obviously it's both, right? Like on the one hand, we kill them, it's fun. On the other hand, it also effectively, we cut off some, you know, that kind of thing. Like at the end of the day, CTEC L had, had potential to be really, really big. But uh, once more, Tappy decided not to uh, assist their ally and let them die on the field, which we've seen plenty of times before. 
Um, so, uh, you know, it was just Jeez. one of those, it, w- it was just one of those things again. And uh, XIX only lost like 25 super carriers, which is not that many, but it was a huge blow to their morale for one. And also all those supers were packed with all the ships. Uh, they, um, they set that up, right? Like they had all their ships packed in there for their move up. So that's obviously like some people mm-hmm. lost the super with all the stuff that they own in it. Which is a devastating blow to a player. Yeah. Exactly, which can make a player quit. Yeah. Well, I mean, that wasn't part of the calculus, though, was it? You you guys didn't think like, "Hey, we we better not kill." We didn't think anything. Like there was try who set it up, right? For us, it was just uh, we basically try and Winter got the initial tackle on the XIX move up, and then they scrambled to they poked us, they poked PL, uh, and we just all kind of jumped in there and uh, assisted them. Killed, uh, killed on the other hand, if you if you looked at how that move up was going and how the level of preparation they put into it and the level of structures they had set up uh, in space ahead of time to help them with the move up, if you had been in test position, if P, well, if PL had been in test position, you're NC dot. But if your PL had been in test position and been asked at the last minute to run in and try to save this move up that was going poorly and protect them. I think PL would have looked at the situation and said, "Oh dear God, I'm not sure if this is salvageable." No, that that's how good allies work. It had there has been plenty of situations. I, I think the most prominent example is BTECR, where we jump in on each other's side without any Amen. questions asked. Right? It's it's Amen. there. There is no for NC and PL, which is why this relation. Sometimes we have a little, you know. Sometimes we we tease each other a little. Sometimes there's a little tension between NC and BL because some egos rubbish each that just happens, right? That's how it goes with alliances like this. But when I got dread bombed with my Titan and Alvula, I started ping like I was still at PL at that point. That's something to keep in mind. Uh, Headliner started pinging PL and I pinged NC dot. The NC dot members had zero information on what was going on. I just pinged them, log in everything and jumped to my Sino. And everybody did everybody did it. There was no questions asked. It's it's like okay, PL Killabeeb is from PL. He's pinging NC dot. Some shit is going down. We're jumping in there. Nobody asked any questions. There was no like, hey, wait, but what's actually going on? And GTG uh, did the same, by the way. GTG has been getting a lot of shit, but when when I got dread bombed in Nervula, I just spammed our Discord and told them, hey, get in here. I didn't give any information because I was busy, and they all just jumped in. And that's how good allies work. And um, but it, it is a little bit is. different, though, uh, Killaby. To be fair, because you have the protection of the super umbrella of the North, they know they're not jumping into something that could devastate them. But I think Test didn't know if they were going to jump into something that could devastate them. Uh, so the other thing is, like, there's a history there. There's a deep background of Killer in particular, and PL and NC Dot and Guardians all operating jointly in a healthy way that produces victories. The test XIX relationship is less firm on a lot of those fronts. Uh, the communication is not nearly as fluid and dynamic. The getting responses from Russians uh, is often hit or miss, just in general, XIX in particular. Um, during a lot of the war, a lot of ops that got scrubbed just because of miscommunication and not requesting aid like in a good way. So, uh, yeah, honestly, like it would not surprise me if if Vili or Progod or any of the other leadership in Tess said they did what? No, we can't do anything well, about it. And they're I think die. though there was some talk about there was a little more cooperation than that. It wasn't a complete shock. Like it was Tess with, was formed up. Tess yeah, was formed up right. with ejector fleet to protect their move up. 
it wasn't they knew that xix was going to do that move up they had a jackdaw fleet to protect them and then when everything went south they decided it is not worth risk, risking our assets here because it could go bad and i understand it from from Tappy's standpoint, I can understand that because they're right now in a very vulnerable spot where their super fleet is on the growth. But if they get all their supers nuked right now, or even a part of that fleet, they're in a really, really bad position. So Vili and Progot really only ever use supers if they can use them 100% on their terms. And that was just not a fight in CTECL that they uh, that was that happened on their terms. They weren't really set up for that kind of escalation, and uh, they didn't want to risk jumping the assets. And so I just co I completely understand the strategic choice. I just think it makes for a poor ally, which I is why you're, I, you're projecting. I think you're projecting, sir. I think that's not. I don't. I don't think you have the data to support how they choose to use their their super cap. I think they okay. they've had some opportunities recently where it could be used in uh, the way they wanted to. They've had a few opportunities where it couldn't, but I don't. I think you're. I don't think oh, but, we can really say what. But in this group, he's the most. He's the closest thing we have to an experienced coalition level, uh, FC that can that commands uh, the kinds of assets yes. that we're talking about. Sure, so, uh, it doesn't mean he's always going to be right. Right. No, but he's the most experienced. I think, I think the reason I'm just a line member. Yeah, I, th I think the reason yeah. we're not sort of sinking here is, is the the two situations don't really compare very like a hundred percent. You know, killers just talking about you know what makes a good ally and and the you know the value that he sees in the relationship between NC and PL. Clearly, you know, like Opa said, that that isn't the same. There isn't the same value of relationship between Test and and uh, X death, and I think we can all agree that those two things don't really compare, do they? Um, so you know, it's not so much. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think we're as disagreement on this as as it, it feels. It seems right. No. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I do want to say there, there's something about allies though that I wanted to explore, and that was when um, when XIX or DRF XIF is in DRF Drone Region Federation when they were in trouble. Um, NCPL did not go and save them, and they had been allies in the past. Uh, is, there, is there anything you can tell us, Kilby, on why you guys didn't go and stop the threat before it uh, collapsed um, DRF? Um, I don't think we were that invested into that relationship, to be honest. So for me personally, I wasn't really interested in going to help them out because I, did have a, I didn't have a very high opinion of XIX and the DCU myself. Uh, I was personally... Um, you know, I personally liked Skill You a lot more, uh, but that was just my personal opinion. Um, but I basically said, okay, that's fine. Like I, I told Skill You, I'm not going to get involved in any of like any fleets over there. It could very well happen that we deploy and and purge your structures. Uh, although that would not help much versus Skill You, but uh, I told them like I'm not going to run that. I just don't really do that myself. Um, I don't know. No, I I can't so really. Uh, so you kind of gave them assurances then that. You you weren't going to mobilize for myself. This. Yeah, I, I told Skill you if if there is an executive decision made by Vince uh, that we that Etsy dot will deploy and purge uh, your structures, uh, or I mean, I guess if if Vince makes an executive decision, I would obviously follow that. But uh, I wasn't I wasn't going to do anything until that point. Uh, let's put it that way. And uh, that that executive decision never happened. So 
I just stayed out of it. Right. That is also because I have ties to the skill yourself leadership. Like I, I know Capco for a long, long time and I like him. Mm -hmm. Well, and the, the other part of that was, so instead of going and deploying and helping DRF, I decided to, because uh, skill you and hard knocks, I believe were attacking bot renters, which belong to PLNC. Instead, they, I believe they opted to buy them off or something like that. There was some kind of payment made. Say again? I think they decided to make arrangements diplomatically. Uh, NCPL with um, skill you. Yes. Yeah. So it, that's interesting then because it adds to what seems to be the sides that are forming up now with uh, NC and PL. And let's talk about that before we get to Goonswarm's entry. Um, what is NCPL doing in this uh, in this uh, situation now that it's forming up? Harvey, you want to start for PL? Yeah. Well, well, for PL, you know, I, I'm not in any position to make decisions in in PL about where and what we do or anything. But mm -hmm. you know, the the after we have finished in uh, Provi, you know, obviously we we, we had been. Uh, pushed out of Provi and, and somewhat humiliated by, by legacy coalition. So there was a factor of, of, for me personally, you know, I wanted a bit of revenge. So when I heard what we were doing, I was pretty happy, you know, nice bit of revenge. This is, you know, and, and there's not many options for, uh, for conflicts. And when a conflict flares up and one half of that conflict is, you know, the people who are your, your enemies from, you know, from Provi, it was pretty, it's a pretty easy decision. What, what we would, what we should do, you know, if it's not very complicated. You're all about it, right? Yeah, I'm all about <laughs> that, right? It's, it's not very <laughs> complicated. It's like there's a fight about to start. One side's got my enemies in it. The other side has got people that, you know, we've worked with in the past. And, you know, this, as Canaris would, would, you know, point out, you know, we're all pretty chummy on that side of the fence. So, you know, it's, it's all fairly straightforward. But you like, do a lot uh, of work. For PL, I mean, you do a lot of the work in there, uh, taking on the SOV responsibility, you know, destroying stuff, uh, getting it ready to be destroyed by the bigger fleets and stuff like that. So, because you and the Peaky Boys, right? Now, let's explore that nickname a little bit. Um, tell us why you're called the Peaky Boys. Well, the corp ticker is is Peak. Um, I made the corp years ago. Anyway, the corp ticker is Peak, and I'd I'd been when we were. Um, were you a mountain yeah. climber or something? Because it's higher than Everest. and, and the uh, Higher than Everest. Uh, yeah, just a, a play on, uh, I guess, you know, 420 blaze it kind of thing. This is, this is a bit silly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I made this, this corp name ages ago. And then, uh, yeah, Pete was the ticker I settled on. I, I can't really remember the thought process. But, yeah, it was just a, a play on words, various overlapping meanings. Anyway, but then when we were out um, in MNC at the end of TC's life, uh, we, I was watching the Peaky Blinders series, on, you know, and uh, it's a great yeah. series, by the way. I recommend it to everybody. But um, <laughs> and we just started calling ourselves the Peaky Blinders anyway. And then when we joined PL, you know, lots of people would start to come and, and small gang with us and, and, and stuff from other corporations. And it seemed silly to just be like, I mean, I know we sort of took our corp name into that group, but it's just a group of people that like to small gang PvP, but not just small gang around the place looking for ganks and, and you know, hunting rockles or something like that. You know, we specifically small gang 
um, using the solve mechanics to get our our content and to get our kills. You know that that's all it is, and everybody in PL is welcome to it, and and every, you know lots of people come and and join in. But it's fairly small scale, and in this conflict, um, you know at the moment anyway, the solve warfare is not not the the real. Um, bone of contention i would say there's you know there's lots of faction citadels and other you know sort of bigger bigger ops that are going to um be the more important thing yeah well i love a couple of things there peaky blinders or if you haven't seen it uh old school gangsters uh from england and they have a lot of style right is that yeah peaky is the style meaning you're very dressed up and very uh stylish and the blinders yeah, or is it something to do with their hats i don't know but you know yeah well i, I thought the hats were the blinders anyway um really funny comparison because you guys are kind of uh, gangsters gangsters with some style <laughs> yeah i do i see it that way you and ragnar and uh, you guys have a lot of humor and and but you guys are so effective uh well you know, to I a mean, some, some to a people degree. might argue we're not that effective, <laughs> yeah. maybe, well maybe after profit i don't know jen what do you think <laughs> I, I think I've sung you guys' praises well enough. I've talked about it before. I think this kind of gameplay is actually really fun. It's what I've been doing a bunch with uh, Red Noise, my new alliance. Just a bunch of small gang stuff, you know, fucking about in smaller but, ships and having a blast. But small gang with a purpose. You guys are attacking structures. You're, tr you're bringing them out to defend their stuff. It's not just roaming around and, and ganking or uh, sitting at a gate camp. I guess it's kind of an old thing to do. Which I think is interesting because you guys have kind of embraced the soft mechanics as they are, the structure yeah. mechanics as they are, and yeah, they, they serve they serve work. that kind of gameplay quite well. You know, I've said this before on here that perhaps they don't serve, you know, the fuzzy sov, uh, Aegis sov doesn't serve the larger coalition scale conflicts quite as well as it serves ten or fifteen guys going out to, uh, you know, draw a fight out of some uh, some other dudes. Some other yeah. equally sized guys. That's really interesting because, speaking from our perspective, that's why we liked Sob Warfare. It suits the way we fight quite well, and part of the reason why we're still hanging out in Cloud Ring. Well, let me sneak in a question here uh, while we're still talking about this theater, though, and that is, we we've seen now Black Legion move in in the past week, I and mean, we've seen uh, the PL Supercap fleet moving into position. What what are you guys hoping happens next, specifically with regard to the Imperium? What, what are you guys hoping the Imperium will do? Uh, so Goons already announced that they, or that their members should get ready for uh, the split super deployment or, what, or whatever you call it, I think, um, where you basically leave, I think you leave shield at home for defending the crabs and you deploy armor or something like that, you know? Um, and uh, you really have two options, right? The, the Imperium has two options. They can either go support tests, which would mean they would deploy their stuff to the to the Tappy front, and they would um, help out with uh, with that. Or, which is the option that I'm pretty excited for, they come and uh, push on the north now that um, the PL Superfleet has moved out. Uh, maybe uh, your sky marshals or whatever you call them see an opening to to start a harder push on the north um, because we've lost one one very big part of our northern superfleet kind of thing. Uh, I think those are the two options that the Imperium can go right now. I I, I hope it's option two personally, but I I can see I can see option one happening too. So I'm very excited for that. And it's obviously like 
the fact that PL moved their super self is, is a huge deal, right? Because even so, if if goons, if the Imperium decide option two, which would be going after the north, um, I don't think how Tappy will be able to hold off um, the the invasion that, that they're facing right now because uh, the, the PL super fleet and skill you and try they're heavily outnumbered. Um, they're heavily outnumbered in, in caps and super caps, um, which was something that previously wasn't necessarily the case. They, they have been outnumbered before, but it was kind of evenish. Now they're 100% outnumbered. And um, yeah, it, it would be very interesting to see if, if the Imperium came, can make up for the loss of test uh, by starting a push on the north. It's, it's kind of an interesting kind of uh, progression of what's going on anyway, because Test were really or currently are really struggling to do anything offensively due to you know time zone tanking mechanics. Um, it all comes out in in uh, Winter Coalition's prime time, which is very much not the prime time for Test. Um, and Winter Coalition are just completely outforming them on any defensive side uh, side timers on Winters perspective so tests are actually struggling to push any uh, you know fobs out of their space or near their space forward um, operating bases yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and and on, on the flip side all of the legacy alliances uh, like a week ago changed their vulnerabilities out of the euro time and into the us time which you know is perfectly feasible i wouldn't call it time zone tanking as such as you know they're putting it into their own strong time zone which is you know us time zone is legacy strongest time zone. i think we can all agree that and you know for me personally a lot of a lot of the the sov that i could have pushed against is now out of bounds to me to you know because of the time zone it's in you know and in the same way the the fraternity sov is being put into their time zone which all right it's the au time zone which you know we we traditionally scorn people that change their timers to AU time zone and call it, you know, time zone tanking and, you know, trying to avoid a fight. But for for fraternity and that, that's not really trying to avoid a fight. That's that's putting things into a time zone when they have their most people. So, you know, everybody's doing the same thing. They're putting their stuff to a time zone when they're most strong, which is a good thing, I think, that, you know, people aren't trying to put it just to the most awkward time zone, but are trying to put it to their strongest time zone, you know, which is... So it's not it's not such a negative on everybody, I think. Yeah, I, w I wasn't using the term time zone tank in a negative way. It's just yeah, the I, nature I of the alliances and how they exist. Yeah, yeah. I, I know, I just, like how people might, I was just trying to help people sort of, other people might have thought you were or whatever. I'm just, yeah. So, um, Harvey, PL has moved supers down. Have they moved all of them? Is that, they moved down 100 Titans, 200 Force Auxiliaries, which are Titan repair ships. Uh, this is a big force, plus 150 uh, super caps. I'm uh, sorry, super carriers. I don't know. I guess you can't ask, is that everything? But it sure seems like it's a considerable move. Uh, like a, it's not there's half. Another, there's another 200 Titans sitting on a Titan, actually, ready to go. So. <laughs> Do we have Titans and supers all over the place, Matterall? Really? The hundreds. Yeah, yeah. There's super caches, Titan caches all over Eve. I didn't know that. I always thought super uh, super capitals were together, but dread caches and that's Force why you sometimes caches. see the Imperium concerned about where uh, NCPL might be placing a new keep star in low sec. Hmm. Well, okay. Uh, interesting. 
reference there. They're uh, not all like wonderful uh, uh, locations where everyone's invited to come and trade uh, with each other and smile and socialize and have a glass of champagne. No, but that's not why you're why they're you're concerned about the the keep star with my name on it uh, in Onan. That's that's wouldn't be that's a no, different I'm, consideration. I'm just teasing you about that. One. Okay, yeah, okay, that's <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Then, then there's a couple of questions left. What is uh, what is NC going to do? I don't, I don't know if we can ask that, Killer B, unless you want to tell us what what's NC doing. Are they staying up north with GOTG? If GOTG staying up north, or is everybody coming down with the big hardware? Uh, like I said, it depends a little bit on you know Goon's options, of course. But uh, so far, we've been watching the conflict in the south evolve. We have uh, sent considerable fleets down for the LK1K timer, the, the fraternity staging for it, we were provided uh, with a full Macarial fleet made in China that we basically just had to move down in these four. And then we hopped into the ships and, and we were there with a full Macarial fleet on grid. We did have some impact. Um, and for other other timers, we've been wormholing down. So uh, we'll, we'll sit, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens and how things evolve, uh, you know, and also depends, of course, what... Uh, what the Imperium does, like I said, uh, that's that's a big factor for us always. On, so what... on the uh, sorry, a little aside here on the topic on that Macarial fleet. I hear through the grapevine that uh, the the fittings that you got for those Macarials were uh, kind of random. I guess you had half like um, yeah, half MW... fit and half yeah. MD and half AB fit. It was so funny because I gave I gave um, Noraus or no, how do you even say his name Noraus I don't know the, who's the who's kind of in charge of uh, Winter Coalition or not kind of he is in charge of Winter Coalition um, I, I basically gave him the fitting I wanted on the materials like four or five days in advance and then he contracted me to like three hundred materials or whatever he got he got me I think it was like two hundred and thirty materials he contracted him to me and uh, we. Uh, I, I looked through the fittings as I handed them out to the members, and I was like, wait, these are half-half. What, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> I can't run half an MWD material, half an AB material fleet. And then we scrambled uh, some mods together. We, we were able to buy most of the stuff on the LK1K market, uh, fortunately. So we, we did just refit uh, all of the max to the fitting I wanted them to have. Who owned the LK1K market? Uh, it's FRT. Okay, so they had this, they had their own stuff there. All right, yeah. it was all just a ploy to get you to spend market taxes, killer yeah, How do you feel? It's, it's they the just give you a little taste. Money. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so what is uh, if NC is um, actions may depend on what Imperium does? Uh, Plexed, what do you think Imperium is going to do? It's a hard call to make um, because, like, moving supers. Uh, in in the current meta is is a is a big choice right because you're always risking potential counter uh to your own space especially with with how you know soft mechanics work you can burn space pretty quickly if you're not able to defend it with a very small force um so it's it's kind of hard to tell like i do you know i it didn't even cross my mind actually because i haven't put that much thought into it seems it happened quite recently that you know, we could go north and go hard, but that's that's taking a super fleet pretty far away. Um, going going towards the fight, you know, to to our east is a is a viable option. Um, it's just whether you know we, we're not the main instigators of this war, and this this is my own opinion. But you know, 
going and throwing supers down in a fight when the main defenders haven't actually committed anything yet uh, seems like a bit of a risky move. Yeah. And from your perspective, the Imperium was attacked by all these parties in the past. Yeah, of course. There's that history that, you know, everybody in EVE at one point has uh, attempted to to uh, purge us out of the space that we used to live in. Uh, so, you know, there's always going to be those those floating memories of and flashbacks to uh, to uh, whatever you want to call the war. Um, so you know there there can be some some uh, old scars and wounds that will lay around from that kind of stuff. Um, and when you ask a question like that, it could be answered from the perspective of me personally, mm-hmm. or my corporation, or my alliance, or my coalition. You know, I've uh, I've you know I personally have lost two titans in this game, one to NC Dot. I went to a lovely PL bait hot drop situation. I should not have taken that bait. Yeah. So PL each took one of your Titans. Yeah. You're a wealthy man. Which is fine. It's fine. Um, yeah. It's weird because I did not expect losing a Titan to ever be fun. And it's a remarkably a different feeling than you would have thought. Uh, the, yeah. Especially the first one, it's not truly gone for me. I still remember that shit. Right, it's uh, in there. It's in your it's not all memory. So, so for you, NCPL are much higher on your enemies list than, say, Test would be, even though Test attacked you guys in the Casino well, War. No, because the I, I'm the leader of the Bastion, and the mm. Bastion is a merger of two previous NullSec. Sov entities, LI3 Federation and Gentlemen's Agreement. And when I was CEO of LI3 Federation, we were a member of the Honey Badger Coalition. So we worked with Test and we worked with a little bit with PL. PL was sort of, I don't know, the the grandfather of the Honey Badger Coalition, so to speak. Uh, They they weren't active on on everything, but they, they were around and advising the boss. That's what it felt like to me. Uh, so I, I don't have uh, I don't have negative uh, feelings about those years in Honey Badger, and I don't have negative feelings about Test at all. Mm, okay, so beyond the narratives, which is what we w- try to get to, um, it's a bit of everything, isn't it? It's a bit of convenience. It's a bit of uh, a good situation to get good uh, combat content in, uh, and there's also an element of grudge, grudges and paybacks and stuff like that this conflict kind of has it all doesn't it my main hope for this kind of thing is like the the last few major potential conflicts that have started to bubble up have all been you know thwarted for many other reasons right either too many people pile in on one side and one side collapses or someone from the inside burns the alliance down etc etc my main hope is like i'm just excited to see a potential big war kickoff and you know lots of and in good the summer. fights happening yeah especially in the summer like that never happens things usually get super boring in the summer and it's just killing craps but uh like i i really want to see something really develop from this whether whether it is you know uh, we go north and that goes huge or we go east and that goes huge whatever like i i would like to see that something like that personally because um it, it's going to be all TZ content, every single time zone will benefit from that kind of stuff because you've got all of the alliances that are US TZ based that we're hitting each other, all the EU 
groups will be hitting each other. And the frat obviously are AUTZ. So there's going to be a lot of AUTZ content happening, which is great for me. Seems that's the time zone I recently changed to. You're in AUTZ time zone, Australian time zone? Uh, yeah. Thank you for staying up late for the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like 2, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. My fear is that, is that we'll go one direction and then all the action will happen on the other front. Because I'm hoping the Imperium gets pulled into. I mean, I, I don't drive anything. You know, the Mutani will make those decisions and the Bastion will go with them as a close partner. But whatever he picks, I'm hoping that's where the action is. And, and uh, we have recently uh, sort of split our super cap fleet into two fleets, an armor and a shield. And they'll never, ever tell us in advance which one's going to do what. Because then there would be a bias to pr preparation and we need both of them to be strong. Mm. All right. One crosses one's fingers. There's one thing I left out that I didn't talk about earlier on. I want to circle back to Winter Coalition. Again, mostly fraternity, fraternity being Chinese players. And their play style is different than most Western uh, play styles. Uh, and that is that they do not subscribe to um, Hell Dunk or Blue Balls. And Hell Dunk means like you bring everything and you totally destroy your enemy. And Blue Balls is you don't show up because that frustrates your enemies when they show up big and you don't show up at all. So they formed up for nothing. So that is a, a strategy of like heat and cold and heat and cold and heat and cold that works on the fabric of uh, your alliance uh, and breaks it because they basically don't get any fun. Uh, and that's how a lot of big wars are fought. But fraternity doesn't really do that. They kind of form and fight regardless of anything. Uh, and that is one of the attracting things about supporting them. They'll always, they'll never call for help and say, we're going to stand down because, you know, we want to, they formed up bigger than us. Uh, so I, I don't know if that's a big deal, but it's interesting. The philosophy of game style and uh, strat ops and psychological ops is a little bit different with a different party like uh, fraternity. And I'm sorry we, we couldn't get into this, but Fraternity has a mortal enemy as well. Other Chinese players in PL from, uh, I believe, the corporation's PLA. Uh, so there's some, <laughs> there's some grudge match of their own going on. What is it? PLA is in Goonswarm. Goonswarm has multiple Chinese corporations. PLA is, I think, the biggest. The Bastion okay. has a, a Chinese corp also. Yeah, PLA and Frat have long-term uh, disagreements back from Serenity days. Um, so they've always kind of been butting each other's heads. And I'm not exactly sure what happened on that server, but the, the grudge has lasted a long time. Right. So what's interesting is that even if Imperium says, yeah, we're not going to participate or we're going to sit out or we're going to attack the North, you have this corporation and sizable group of Chinese players inside of the Imperium itself that's like, hell no, we want to fight fraternity, we're going. Could be interesting. Kilby, were you going to say something? Bray, uh, Bray just lost four supers to PL, by the way. Yep, PL uh, already thrown around the, uh, the super fleet they brought down. Wasted no time. Uh, what happened there? Not sure yet. Uh, let me see if I can get some details. Uh, it looks like a it seems rank like fleet that was trying to be yeah. saved. Yeah, yeah. It looks like it was a pretty straightforward gank, though, to me. Four hells have died total mm -hmm. and a couple of dreads. Yeah, it looks like uh, um, Nightmare Fleet tackled it from Volta. Um, 
probably just called PL to quickly zonk them. Um, looks like Brave dropped like other supers and a dread in no faxes to kind of support it and they yeah spike. so they got dropped on a fortizar skill you tackled four hells on uh, the 303 and fortizar uh and then pl came in with the dps to finish them off that's on the four. Oh, God. yeah i think they worked from they must have worked from the havens to the fort when somebody entered local assumption i'm getting more de more details right now so hopefully i'll be able to present the full picture yeah keep us posted as we finish up the show uh, last part of this is now we've talked about all the players, what motivates them, what gets them interested in this war. Uh, some of it's psychological, some of it's um, just opportunistic. Uh, what do you guys think is is going to evolve here? What do you think the situation will look like in about three weeks? It's really impossible to say um, because it it really comes down to very like uh, decisions of very few people. At the end of the day, it comes down to what does the Imperium what way do they go when they decide what they do right like there's always there's like a butterfly thing right butterfly effect there's like so many options they have they could either decide to get involved not involved if they get involved do they go north or do they help test like and depending on each of those like decisions we will obviously adapt our course of action and uh, that's why it's very hard to predict but one way or another uh i think it'll be a very i i hope I really hope, and I think that's something we can all agree on, even all the haters in Twitch chat, uh, is that it would be great if we would get some content out of all of this. Because there's been a whole lot of Reddit posting about it, a whole lot of you know uh, people building up their sites, propaganda. Uh, but so far, not too much has happened. I think now with PL deploying their supers down, this is the first big step in the right direction to to get us some eve wide or at least zero zero wide content out of this which would be uh, amazing so what's the objective here though overall for um ncpl is it I mean, when's the war end what happens what are the conditions for a end of war oh, i can't i can't really talk on pl's behalf but i know that like harvey said pl's pretty pretty pissed at, at test i think they want to kick their shit in so i would say that's the objective Destruction. Oh, yeah, I mean, of you. I mean at, at the end of the day, the the grand objective is, you know, for any alliance leader, or anyone, is to is to keep keep their members engaged and active. And for PL, you know, I think you could all guess what keeps them engaged and active, and that's conflict. So, you know, the the means is almost for me personally, especially and my boys, I know, you know, my corp, the means is the objective at the end of the day. The same with Provi really back when we were taking all those stations you know the actual process of doing it was what we wanted to do it wasn't to get you know for us we even if uh, legacy hadn't come into Provi and taken all the stations back you know just going in there and doing it we would have never you know as members of my corps or even ceo of my corp within the alliance would have never got any of those faction forts it just goes to the legion you know it's and in this case it didn't go to the legion but you know it's the process right it's a game at the end of the day we just want to play the game and and you know i hope that we've we've taken a little bit of inspiration from uh Triumvirate that you know taking a risk um and living a little bit more dangerously can pay dividends you know and the members get to benefit from those dividends being activity, risk, conflict, um, you know, old school grudges a little bit, you know, that sort of thing. That That's as far as I can draw conclusions of, of what our objectives would be. You know, I don't think anyone's going to hang their hat on saying, oh, you know, 
the the holy meteorite is going to make the dinos extinct because it's eve at the end of the day and and no one fully goes extinct unless they want to you know fcon may have gone extinct but that was just you know they, if they'd had good leadership and a, and a nice binding ethos you know they wouldn't have died out they would have just been evicted and tr- moved on somewhere else you know world war b um you know, it was it was World War B against the B, against the fat B and the goons. And they're still, you know, still alive and stronger than ever. And I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, we don't no one wants the other team to quit the game or anything. You know, you just want we just want conflict and we want, you know, shake things up a little bit. Try have been excellent at shaking things up over the last year. And uh, you know, why can't we all have a little crack at shaking the tree? Yeah, tries MVP. I, I, I for one like really interested in the fact that PL have moved all of their stuff down because there's been a long kind of perpetual whisper of, of, you know, PL are dying, PL aren't doing anything. Um, and this is probably the first time in a long time PL have actually engaged in a really big conflict or could potentially be engaging in a really big conflict. Cause the, oh, since, all the since stuff will be. Yeah. Like, cause all the stuff in probably was the last pretty really big conflict for PL. Right. Um, and nobody has really seen them do anything uh, of, massive note since then so like it would be nice you know i'm quite interested to see what will actually happen um and yeah i just like i think all of us are on the same page here like we just want this this uh you know conflict to kick off and turn into something you know something for what we love e4 which is these crazy um you know long-term battles that involve thousands and thousands of people across weeks and months of and just crazy shit happening. Right? Uh, Harvey, you've actually been somebody who's influenced the history of the game uh, because you were leader of the culture and at a certain point you wanted to move your guys out. So you sold uh, the assets in Fountain to the Imperium, which allowed them to move up, m- allowed them to more easily move up through Fountain into the Pure Blind area, which caused basically 9-Tac-4, the biggest battle uh, in any video game ever. I think giving me a little bit too much credit there, but I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it... like like Killer said, there's the butterfly effect. You know, one small choice. You know, I talked to you before on the show about the history of that of TC and that choice. You know, we we had just we had we had sat fairly secure for a period of time long enough that you know for a PVP alliance, which is what we called ourselves, whether anybody else called us that or not, that's what we called ourselves, and that was our you know our objective was to to have conflict and uh you know i came back from a little summer holiday and try had actually you know try is is the 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 another flap of the butterfly wing that changed tc's course of action because try going to war getting rid of their 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 blues you know shattering the donut they were a part of influenced you know a corporation within um the culture and they decided they were going to leave the culture and go south and join try because that looked really interesting and they wanted that conflict and i you know in fountain wasn't i couldn't provide them with the conflict that they wanted because we were just sort of we were we were secure you know and so they they wanted insecurity they wanted conflict they moved to try and so then when i i thought well i can sit here and carry on with tc but more and more of my good people are going to go away and look for, you know, the the people that I wanted around are people that would go for that kind of conflict, you know, go for those risks and and stuff. And and they I would lose more of those people and be left with just people that wanted to rock or mine and people that wanted to rat. So they go to skill you, right? Yeah, exactly. So I decided 
sod it. I'm going to, we're, we're leaving Fountain. We're going to just burn it all to the ground and go south and do something else, you know? And in my mind, you know, I had two, two scenarios that, that, that choice would, would create one, you know, we would go south and it would reinvigorate everybody in, in, in the culture. And we would, you know, get involved in some kind of conflict, whatever it was. And the other was that, you know, people who had been hanging around, um, for the, fact that they you know had the secure space and you know we had all a lot of moons a lot of moon income in, in the culture and you know perhaps that was something that was pay, making people not leave when they would otherwise have made a different choice you know and as soon as those moons were gone fountain was gone then you see who your real the real loyal people are not so much loyal but the people whose um interests align best with you right and and not many of them did you know some of the corps I mean, I say not many, they're all great corps, you know, and some of them, you know, went to uh, NC DOT because, you know, and they, they saw that that was where their, their interests allied. And, and some of them just were, had gone a bit inactive and kind of died out a little bit and they all fragmented. And, you know, my second scenario was that I wanted to take my corporation that TC had been really good for because, um, you know, my error with TC was putting so much focus into my own corp and looking after my own corp and then relying on the other CEOs to do the same for their corps. And, you know, I wanted to basically join the, what I saw as, you know, the, the biggest, baddest PVP alliance in the game. And that was Pandemic Legion. So we went, we went with that because actually, you know, like I said, TC kind of fragmented when it didn't have the things that had bound it together for so long, which was Fountain and the Moons, you know. Mm. Well, God bless. Yeah. So let's wrap up this segment. Is there anything else that you guys want to uh, comment on this coming war? I'm sure we'll be covering it even more so than we already have. The last three episodes uh, have been pretty much looking at this, but it is uh, what looks like uh, as big an invasion as um, the casino war, World War B that happened uh, two years ago. I mean, is it? Like that's the, the I, I hope this happens the way that everyone wants it to. And it feels like everyone seems to be on the same train. But remember, World War B started on a very different trajectory where it mm -hmm. kind of snuck up on everybody. Nobody really saw it coming because when uh, Horde started really punching tissue in the face, or not tissue, uh, freaking space monkeys in the face, everyone's like, oh, well, the Imperium is vulnerable. Yeah, let's get in oh. on that. I have to say, talking in stations saw it coming. Uh, Dirk and I and other people sat around a map. We were watching troop movements. We were saying something's happening here. I had uh, made uh, contact with I Want Isk and did this uh, big article on I Want Isk and their motivations and how the war started, all the way down to the absolute beginning of that argument, which I think was the, the tree trunk of the branches that later became the, the full invasion. Right, but I think uh, that's how we made that, our name. But other than that, I don't know if anybody else had the whole picture as it was happening. I I, uh, I remember at the, at the collapse of BL before I made um, TC, I had said to the leadership of BL at the time, I had said, look, that the this was, you know, Aegis of it just hit. I said, look, there is going to be a big conflict. And where we are right now, J5A, which is where BL was, which was, you know, the culture's, um, capital home system for our entire existence was the same place where the BL ended its time um, in zero zero. And I said to them, there's going to be a creeping war. Those are my words. And I've got it written down in a Google document somewhere. 
I posted on Reddit actually a couple of years ago just to smug. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I called it a creeping war and it's going to start. And where we are now will be a, like a perfect position to be involved in it. And they were like, nah, we want to go to low sec. It looked like low sec was where, you know, conflict was kicking off. And they weren't wrong because, you know, the beginning of World War B did start in low sec with, you know, the low sec yes. Voltron fighting against uh, the yeah. Imperium push against their moons, right? So they weren't wrong, but like, you know, I think a lot of people had seen it coming um, on the horizon, you know, if they just sort of could see, you know, could look through the fog of war or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. If, uh, if, if the Imperium had held the line against Horde in the, the initial stage better, it might have dissuaded enough force that they could have held on. And I think that's that butterfly effect where you don't even realize the mistakes that you're making in the long-term strategy that encourage more hyenas to come in and you know start bringing you down and that's where i think we're we're at that stage right now where if if uh test does everything right and you know maybe if they kill off 10 pl super caps and all of a sudden momentum swings a little bit back the other direction and their dudes get a little fired up like maybe they they blunt that initial force and some people rethink some deployments i don't know we might have already passed that rubicon but we'll see uh, I do hope that we get there, but I don't think we're quite quite solidified into World War B 2.0 yet. No, but but things are clouds are forming. There's no storm yet, as Killer B pointed out. Right. All right, last thing um, in the in the new tradition of naming things before they happen. What's your name for the war, Harvey? Uh, I want to call it the Trinosaur War because uh, Trinvirate and uh, and Test are definitely. You know, I guess Winter Coalition as well are the uh, the catalysts for you know the war that's going on now. I know there's a lot of other parties involved, but those those groups test um, the test middle management dino, uh, Triumvirate, uh, Winter Co. They're they're the uh, the catalysts in my mind, and the Trinosaur Wars is I think a lot better than the Eve War, as in everyone versus everyone. I think we can do better than that. Yeah, it That's always funny. takes some time to name a war. It'll, we'll, we'll find yeah. a way. Yeah, I'm sure the fact that I'm trying to force it will will guarantee well, that it doesn't stay. It won't. Yeah, I tried to force a name too. Didn't work. But I like I like your imagination. Uh, see, look at that. You already got the, the McLeod says, fucking love the Trionosaur War. <laughs> okay. Um, Jintan, uh, one last thing. Uh, Jintan, you have left CVA a while ago. You've successfully rejoined CSM through being voted in. You've started your own group called uh, Red Noise, which I guess is a take on White Noise, which is a Russian group, right? Uh, I don't know where they were from. It's just it's a cool name, mm -hmm. and it's a nice little reference to Eve history. Uh, one of the guys who were written all over it. Uh, oh, somebody else came up with it. Okay. Yeah, no, it was... Um, one of the initial people who came up with one of uh, Norse Amusements. It's really great. I love the logo we've got. It's something very unique. It's a butterfly. You don't see a lot of those in Eve. So what are you doing? Because um, you're in the area, right? Like, what's going on? Is this happening all around you? Uh, we originally were down in an immense We've basically, since we've uh, since I put uh, Red Noise together, one of the first things I wanted to do was spend some time kind of learning uh, offensive software. Obviously, that's not something I had a huge amount of time to learn in Providence. Um, you know, we're very defensive. We've always been very defensive over that. And since joining uh, Test, there hasn't been much opportunity for that. So I've put together my own little alliance, uh, mixture of some people from uh, Probably and some people from a couple other different uh, areas of space, like the 
relevance of the DCU and just going and poking at people that I can find, basically. Just trying to make some fun and see how everything fits together and see if people want to join me, basically. Uh, are you falling on one side or the other of this conflict? Um, yeah, I guess we're falling on the legacy kind of the conflict, the side of the conflict in our own little way. It's not like we're, uh, you know, we're not, you know, you're not going to be seeing us in 200 man, you know, super fleets anytime soon. Uh, what we're doing is a lot more of kind of, I suppose, what Harvey's doing. Um, you know, a lot of small gang, uh, you know, 10 to 20 to 30 people just trying to uh, have an impact and, you know, forge our own story in the game. It's been great fun. Well, you benefited from the votes for CSM from tests since you were second on their ballot and their first person got knocked off due to CCP's uh, saying he couldn't finish his candidacy. Uh, and you were in a uh, test for a little while, but you left before the voting happened. So I guess there are some strings there. Well, um, I talked to Drown about it beforehand. Mm. I like to think that Jin would have got in uh, on the back of his previous very nice on the CSM. But very nice to say and very true. Um, okay. The, um, I thought I had one last thing to say, but I think we're pretty much done with that topic. Oh, if you like Harvey, this is what I wanted to plug. If you like what Harvey, like as much as I do, he wrote a great article on the Providence conflict between PL and um, uh, test. And you can find that on talkingstations.com. I've left it up as the top story and will for a while. It's a great long article full of details. Okay, uh, we want to shift gears real quick to Faction War. We've invited Silver Suspiria to hang out with us and tell us about what's going on in Galente versus Kaldari Faction War. You want to give us a quick update? Yeah, sure. Um, it's been uh, pretty hot lately. Basically, the, the landscape is, you know, Citadel sort of changed the game in Faction Warfare quite a bit, right? Uh, it it can, comes down to the traditional um, war zone push or system captures that you do by capturing plexes uh, to become somewhat irrelevant, uh, at least in PvP, because there's not really any strategic value there. Um, you used to be able to lock uh, your enemy out of NPC stations, and that was the big driver. Um, but now with Citadels, you can live in any system uh, and spam them around, and, and uh, the, the system captures are a little bit outdated. Uh, and they switch back and forth from farmers anyway, right? Uh, it's a popular place for people to farm LP and to get ISK and... Uh, the nature of the mechanic makes one LP valuable for a little while, and then it declines, and then you switch to the other side, and it kind of ebb and flows like that. Um, and then you got the other hand where Galmil Gal uh, functions quite a bit like a coalition, and we're quite strong at the moment. Uh, most of us took uh, some time in Nullsec to go get ourselves some faction Vortizars, and that led some to really good experiences uh, a lot of our pilots have elevated their PvP level because we were fighting people all the time. Black Legion stopped by, Tissue did a hell campaign, um, a couple other coalitions came by and, uh, and gave us some good content there. So coming back to LOSEC, you know, looking at, well, what can we do in Faction Warfare? Um, pushing, plexing, and, and, and traditional um, war was not going to really cut it for most of our guys. Plus, we're a little bit big for that um, now. Uh, you know, fed up alone is pretty big, but Gallimil as a whole, you know, we can put together a hundred man fleet, hundred and twenty man fleet, um, and that's a bit big for plexing. So we decided we wanted to up the ante a little bit, and the one thing Citadels did uh, offer us is a way to a, 
more directly attack our enemies in the Kaldari, right? They have structures. They have uh, reaction farms. They have shipbuilding facilities. They have staging. Uh, Fortazars, Athenars, these things. Um, so Galmil decided we're, we're going to do this a little bit differently. We're going to flip the war zone again and back into Galente control. It had been tier 5 Kaldari for a little while. Um, but we were going to do that by directly attacking the Kaldari militia structures. Um, so we've been doing that successfully. We've killed a bunch of ancillary structures. But when it comes to attacking their home, the Fortazars really are the, the key structures in faction warfare. Um, the Kaldari are outnumbered pretty heavily by the Galente. But the one benefit they have is they are very good at the social game. They have good relationships with the local pirates. Um, and they have good relationships with big people like NC Dot, who uh, showed up to our fight last night, and uh, we had a great little brawl in Losek. What, what happened there, uh, Killaby? Do you know anything about that fight? I was kind of uh, faced out here for a second. What fight? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wait, w were we there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were. <laughs> Yeah, we were so, there in nightmares. Yes. Yeah, we nightmare fleet. Uh, no, <laughs> maybe Oppner knows. Oh, too high. I was. I don't know. That's that's not my time zone. Yeah. It's fine. I was there. I was on that fleet in the uh, most ineffective Lodgy ships in the universe because Macarials are still overpowered. Oh uh, yeah, your poor scimitars. I guess Dude. you guys just <laughs> sat there. <laughs> we were just sitting there like we can get one. We no, no, we can't. Pop, we can't. pop, pop. Yeah. <laughs> we can save the Hugo. No, no, we can't. No, we can't. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you guys had um, quite a bit of Hugans that we were trying to clear off, uh, and I don't know if that was the right decision or not. But uh, I, it uh, was it was a decision. Uh, like there's in any fight like that, because we warped in and now we're sitting. I'm sitting there in Lodgy trying to like find broadcast and do all the things, and I'm just completely missing the whole fight. But I, I've been on that edge over those big fights where you're just like, I can do a lot of stuff. But usually clearing support is going to be a good thing. Lodging and support is going to get you into a better spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, at post, uh, like, when we all got together about the fight after. We had a great time, by the way. It was a great fight. Um, we thought maybe that if we had spent those already cycles on burning more nightmares that we might have been able to survive a little bit better. Because your nightmares came in pretty close range there, and we're burning this down quicker than our weapon cycles, you know? Yeah, I could see that. I, I would have had to look at the count of the ships. Like I said, I hate trying to watch fleets uh, from Lodgy. Like, you, you don't see anything else. Uh, is there sort of... Um, and I, I know you're saying you know, there's, some, there's some issues with the mechanics of faction warfare, but it seems like some of the players in faction warfare have kind of, like, evolved to, to be quite, I mean, quite strong groups. There's been the, what was it, the Galmilistan efforts in Cloud Ring... It feels like they sort of these um, what would be I guess traditionally faction warfare alliances and groups have kind of branched out a little bit and they expanded their scope, which you know I think is a good a good thing if it's if I'm assessing it right. I guess. No, you're you're absolutely correct, and that's what Galmilistan you know fed up is a large part of. Um, that's exactly what most of the groups in, in Galmil have done. We've you know tried to branch out, get new experiences, and push our our ability to PvP a bit past, you know, the traditional faction warfare scope. And we've that's, had great content great. in Nullsec, yeah. That's really good, because, you know, <laughs> I don't know, a few years ago, people have said, oh, there's no progression from faction war into Nullsec, you know, politics and warfare. Well, clearly there is. 
Absolutely. And like I, I mentioned earlier, the, the Fozisov thing kind of fits our wheelhouse quite well, right? We grew up yeah, spinning yeah. beacons, right? We grew up small gang fighting over over you know, the structure called a, you know, a plex. You know, it's a little bit different mechanically, but, you know, the way you fight around it is more or less the same. Um, so we found that that suits our style quite well, and taking Sov was quite natural, that, that, that mechanic. And that, of course, drew us into other types of combat. So... When that campaign in Nullsec ended and we got what we were after there, we came back to Losec and, and tried to push the envelope a little bit further for both sides. Um, unfortunately, Kaldari militia is quite heavily outnumbered, so they, you know, uh, you know, they need the equalizers. Uh, I mean, I think NC dot was a bit much, but um, that was the second time we've we've hit a key Fortizar and and the system of Eha there. Um, and both times led to really, really great subcap fights. Yeah, I mean, it's those challenges, you know, that are gonna that make you, you know, progress anyway. So, okay, like you say, Caldari are a little bit weak at the moment, but then they call in NC Dot, who you know, you, quite quite strong compared to a, a traditional faction warfare alliance. But it can only bridge the gap. You know, it can only make you stronger fighting fighting people better than you. It's the same in Eve as in anything in sport and things like that. In my experience, you know, you you play you play a team that's better than you, and you progress a lot quicker than you than you do if you're just beating on the same same team that's weaker. You know, so yeah, you're absolutely way. right. And we've grown quite a bit. Like in Nolsec, uh, you know, we were fighting like Tissue, who was quite a bit higher in SP than us. Very good pilots, led a very good troll campaign, um, and then Black Legion uh, were following up on their timers. So we were pinned against the wall there for a little while, um, and it was a bit rough. But it made our pilots better mechanically. They're better, um, you know. They, we've pushed our envelope with their uh, doctrine ability. Um, so we've grown quite a bit. Maybe studied their nerves. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Is there um, is there any more to talk about going on in uh, Galente and Minmatar? Sorry, uh, Galente and. Caldari space. Well, yeah, I think that um, we're going to keep pressing that narrative of trying to hit structures because it's not something that um, militia really tended to do very often. Kind of, we we would skirmish around a bit and leave the structures mostly alone because you know Fortas are still a, a tough nut to crack um, for us, um, especially when uh, you know using capitals is a little bit difficult. You know, knowing that maybe NC's hanging around, you know, um, but we're going right. to continue to uh, to push the envelope and and get big fights like that. We we thoroughly enjoyed the the fight last night. Great. All right. Um, I should know that Dawn of Liberation Minmatar versus Amar uh, live event is coming up. We'll have more on that next week. Uh, for now, we're out of time. I want to thank everybody for showing up today, um, and. Uh, we will see you on the battlefield. Do we have one last report coming from the battlefield uh, where Tess lost uh, supers? I think it was brave. It was brave. It was brave. Super guys. But yeah, legacy oh, brave supers. guys. Yeah, brave. Yeah, brave it was supers. brave. Well, there is a report. Of, there's a little bit of an AAR that got pasted in here. And I'll quote from it for you. So we were moving some of our caps toward our staging system for the war. And upon jump in in the 3L3N system in Tenerifus. We got instantly tackled by Hictors. Our in-sino was blapped, and our new sino went up on a dread, but faxes couldn't get in. 
But by the time, uh, but by that time, PL had dropped supers and titans on us. A good fight, all well played was the quote. First so, cat. Yeah, so on. it's it's a you know it's a result of the of the changes a few months ago with um, you know Citadel Citadel tethering after signing in by the sounds of things they signed in they have a, a thirty second uh, cool down before they tether and you're vulnerable to be tackled and it seems like um, yeah I guess skill you and uh, were the ones to uh, really do the important bit or you know do the tackling which. I would I would argue is the the trickier part rather than um, the part we played. I actually jumped in as well, which is why I went a bit quiet there. <laughs> yeah, there was a message so, about logging off your Titan while you were on the show. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's safe. Awesome. Yeah, I did that during nine tech four. My Titan drifted off the uh, keep star. People had to yell at me uh, through the program that I was doing. But yeah. That's very interesting. First catch of the day for PL. Looks like there'll be more of this kind of a thing now that PL has their super cap uh, forces down here in the uh, Tenerifus area. So looking forward to what happens. We will cover more of it next week. But uh, I want to thank everybody for showing up this week. And remember to visit TalkingInStations.com to support the podcast. Uh, give us your ideas on Talking In Stations Discord. This is where we gather. After every show, we pile into public and people hang around. And uh, so we'll do that later today, right after the show. Thanks, everybody. That's it for this week. We will see you next week on Talking In Stations. Bye. 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 <laughs> I have pants on. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs>